everybody. Welcome to another episode of Laws and Grace. I'm Laws. I'm Grace. And today we have our guest. Justin Bogue. And we're so excited to have him um, zooming in from California. And uh, this is going to be a great episode because Justin is here to talk to us about empathy and he has all kinds of awesome experience Uh, we're so excited to have justin this week and we're gonna start off with the question of the episode um and so this is a little icebreaker question so grace and i will answer it first to take some of the pressure off you and then you can answer it and then (laughs) we'll ask you a lot more questions (laughs) throughout this episode um so this question is if you had or okay the question of the episode is what is a song that always gets you pumped up and grace you can answer first i know i know immediately i could i could tell that you have no i'm over i'm here like just thinking about it in my head i'm already like getting pumped um okay so no judgment here but jump from van halen every time i hear that song i don't know what it is it's like the first couple chords or something i'm just like yeah like it (laughs) but i think part of that is because i always play it like before a race like right at the starting line and it like i don't know it just like psychs me up so now every time i hear it all of a sudden i get amped and i'm like yeah let's go and usually people look at me like i'm kind of weird but it gets me it gets me that's a good that's a good choice yeah, right? okay. Yeah. I like this guy already. Yeah. It's a classic. <laughs> yeah. Though so for some reason, I'm thinking of the part in Glee where they right? want to say they did a cover with like mattresses. <gasps> yes, they're like in a mattress store. <laughs> Jumping oh, on the Don't ruin it for me, Lauren. Don't don't ruin I'm it. Saying, I don't have that many memories of Glee, but for some reason that the jumping on the because it was like a mattress commercial, and I was like, who approved this? theoretical commercial idea anyway (laughs) okay even weirder than that for some reason I was thinking like a Britney Spears song or something but the first song that came to mind was Africa by By Toto (laughs) (laughs) because because it's not your typical hype up song but it's like you know you're just like bless those rays (laughs) You can't help but sing along. Oh, absolutely. Uh, can I can I have a, I have a quick story about that song yes. specifically? Uh, so we were, last month, so July of 2021, we were in Utah for my brother-in-law's wedding, my wife's brother. And that was on their playlist at, on their dance. Like the, when they, everyone went to the dance floor, that was like number five on their, <laughs> their list. And I was like, all right. And so my wife and I were singing at the top of our lungs, just singing with everybody. It was awesome. It was nice. awesome. There you go. Apparently it is. I'm not the only one no. who thinks of it as a pump up jam. And you can't beat that drum beat from Jeff Beccaro. You really yeah, can't. That's the thing. It just, <laughs> though, for some reason, I thought it was, the lyric was, there's nothing that a hundred, is it a hundred or a thousand? There's nothing that a hundred men on Mars could ever do. <laughs> I mean, who are we to know, really? I mean, they're not wrong. That's right. and then one day I was like texting someone the lyrics and they're like, what did you just type? And I was like, 100 men on Mars. And then I was like, 
because uh, like Martians, maybe they're like more advanced than us. So it's like- and They know all about Africa and the rains there. There's nothing they, they couldn't them. do. They do bless them. That's right. I think, you know, they're at a, maybe they're an advanced superior race than us. So okay. if there's nothing that a hundred men on Mars could ever do, then. Now anyway. I'm always going to think of that lyric in that way. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so what's your pump up song? Oh man. See, that is such a great question because there's so many. I love music and I love a lot of heavier music. So the first, but when you ask the question, the very first song that came to mind, uh, yeah, the very first song is called Marigold by the band Periphery. Okay. It just, ah, so good. I'm not familiar. So this is one that we all need to check out. I'm like, should I, I know? This down? I mean, here's the thing. If you are into progressive metal, then yeah, you've probably heard of Periphery. If you're not into progressive metal, then I'm not surprised that you haven't heard of Periphery. <laughs> It may just be your new pump up jam. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Maybe everyone yeah. add it to your playlist. That's right. And they are a great group of fellows, the members of Periphery. Yeah. You've worked with them before, right? Uh huh. The drummer, um, Matt Halpern, I do, I've done some work for some of his side companies. So, cool. well, yeah. They're just, just the nicest guy. Just the nicest guy. I love that when yeah. you find out people that you like their talent, that they're also nice. It's like a good feeling. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I feel um, like in that comment, there was experience of people that you've had, that you've looked up to that didn't meet that qualification. Well, I was pretty shook when we found out that like Army Hammer was a cannibal or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's just one example. <laughs> there you go yeah I, I'm, you know. I'm with you there <laughs> so you know on the scale of nice guy to cannibal I know there's some in between but right there, that there's is a spectrum like, I just feel like more and more you know it's like when you see somebody trending on Twitter you're like oh no what did they do instead of like maybe they're trending for something good you just automatically assume that it's something bad that's right so yeah that's one experience <laughs> On that note, let's yeah. introduce Justin, <laughs> who is not a cannibal last I checked. Yeah, you better not yeah, be true. one of those people where I'm like, Justin's the nicest guy, and then it's like... And also a cannibal. No, I am yeah. not. I am cannibal free. Okay, you heard it here first, folks. That's right. Justin Bogue is not a cannibal. <laughs> he is, however, a lawyer. <laughs> well, do you like that segue? I did like that segue. That was good. That was great. They can be um, easily confused. Yeah, That's right. No, say, yeah. Like, I mean, we've... If there's plenty of jokes. Yeah, I was like, that was it. I I set that one up. Oops. Um, okay. So Justin graduated from law school in 2013 and has started his own entertainment consulting business, helping bands, filmmakers, actors, writers, drummers, and production companies and tech companies achieve success. I like that. <laughs> he is a musician himself and is currently the drummer for Mind Cell and The Normal Gray, which can be found on all streaming platforms. Check them out. Um, we'll tag them in the description and on Instagram. Um, he and his wife have two boys who keep them busy and they live in Vista, California. And he's worked with all kinds of awesome video production teams and like I said, drummers um, and filmmakers. Filmmakers. That's right. 
I plan on consulting him someday when I finish a project. <laughs> I look forward to it. I know. It's like, that's been years in the works. Um, is there anything else you want our audience to know about you? Um, no. Okay. I... I'm tall. I'm six four. That's usually the first <laughs> thing right. out of people's mouths when they meet me in person. Wow, you're tall. Yeah. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, since this is like strictly audio, people should know he's tall. There are guitars right. behind him. Oh, yeah. He is a legit musician. We can <laughs> see it with our own eyeballs. <laughs> well, I mean, the guitars are there. It doesn't mean necessarily that I can play them, but no, there, there's. No, I can play guitar poorly. That's right. Because you're primarily a drummer, right? Yeah. Drums, drums and piano, I'd say, are my two my two jams. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what is it like being an entertainment lawyer? That's a broad question, but that is a broad question. I really enjoy it. Um because I I mean, first and foremost, I don't do litigation, so that takes a whole lot of stress out of the equation. Um, I do all transactional work. So I'm just doing reading contracts, negotiating with agents, with managers, with companies, um, and then reviewing contracts, redlining contracts and drafting contracts. That's what I do. And so it's, it's very nice. It's very, I like getting into the details of, of deals and putting it all on paper so that all parties are happy and they don't go to court. And they don't sue each other. So yeah. I'm say, as a side note, <laughs> we have been emailing our guests being like, just email it. Maybe I shouldn't admit this publicly. Just email us back saying that we have permission to use your voice and image. And then Justin emails back, you know, I can help you <laughs> with something more official. Yeah. And I was like, oops, shouldn't have exp we exposed ourselves to the lawyer. No, how that's unofficial fine. we are. No, but that's we fine we will be a more official soon. That's right. That is, that is about, and here's the thing. You are in like 90% of everybody in the entertainment industry mm -hmm. of, Hey, let's just give me your, your, um, just send me an email saying it's okay. Your permission. And it's like, that might work most of the time, but there's always, there's always that risk. There's always that mm -hmm. risk. So that's actually um, a lot what I do too is just uh, informing and, and educating people. It's like, listen, these are potential risks that can happen and these are things to look out for. So let's get yourself shorn up and protected. Yeah, with so many people doing these like informal types of things, I feel like you're gonna say at the very beginning, but at what point should people <laughs> try <laughs> <laughs> you know, Go ahead, to finish. be more official. <laughs> At the very beginning. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, at, at any time, at any time. Right. Okay. Why I have you, I'm going to, I'm going to ask a question. Uh-oh. I know. Okay. How, how do wedding videographers use copyrighted music? Is that legal? Okay. No. I think uh, I know the answer, so, but I feel like there's got to be a loophole. <laughs> um, okay, so let me also say that everything that I'm saying is not legal advice. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I might this not even not... put this in the podcast. We're not right, trying right, to right. trap you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is, and for, I just always if, wondered. 
So the only way that it's legal is if they obtain a license from, um, they need a sync license and a master use license. Um, and if they obtain those licenses, then they're fine. Um, but like you said, that rarely happens. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> again, and another example of the, just the rampant, rampant copyright infringement plague that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'll I have a, oh. I was gonna say, I'll expose Lauren. Lauren made my wedding video and she used the song that I requested. And so, you know, I'm just right. Right. I didn't make, okay, I didn't make any money off of it. So I know. See, that's that's the question. I'm like, if you're not matter, making right? money, does it does it matter it if you're not making it money? It doesn't matter. Here's here's what the law, like if you want to look at the letter of the law, copyright, when you when you own a copyright, um, it gives the owner of the copyright certain rights. So there's a, there's a number of them, right? Of um, make derivative works, public performance, et cetera, et cetera. This is how the letter of the law is. If you're in your car and you're listening to the radio and you turn it up loud and you roll the windows down and other people can hear it, technically you are giving a public performance of that song to which you do not have a license and are no. therefore engaged in copyright infringement that's the letter of the law yes so like playing songs at your wedding at a party it's the same thing we can go down the rabbit hole but when you were so, in utah singing to africa you were committing copyright so but here's 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 another loophole if the venue that you're at the wedding the venue has what's called um a a broad license from one of the performing rights agencies ASCAP BMI CSAC uh, a lot of bars a lot of uh, restaurants they will just have a general license oh, and yeah. they can play those songs within their premises if the venue has that general license or the DJ mm -hmm. uh, has one of those licenses then you're fine hmm. but if it's Joe Schmo Joe Schmo's DJing business uh, at Aunt Sally's backyard, then chances are <laughs> they don't have the requisite licenses and are technically infringing copyright. Come on, Joe. Get I know. Together. I Joe know. Joe Schmo DJ. Joe Schmo DJ. Someone should I'm, take that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Joe Schmo DJ and Aunt Sally's backyard. That sounds actually like a cool metalcore band, Aunt yeah. Sally's backyard. I like it. Let's start it. There we go. <laughs> um, okay, we did not bring you on here to trap you into. Yeah, sorry. Here's the thing. I mean, I can. I love talking about it. So that's awesome. Well, yeah, I just got to thinking about it because I do think, particularly in entertainment law, what you do, and and now there's like TikTok where it's like you can use certain parts of songs mm -hmm. for your content, and people are making. I don't know. There's just so many things now where it's like who owns what and things get shared and anyway, yeah. that could be a whole thing. The, the other, I will say this also about the law, it's tip, it's always lagging behind technology. Mm -hmm. And so the last major copyright, I mean, like the major copyright laws, the Copyright Act of 1976. Um, and then there was 
one in the 90s. And now they're, Congress is now trying to revamp copyright law for things that happened 10 years ago. But it's, it's hard to be prospective in the law to think, okay, what are the, all the potential things that can happen? Because we don't know. I mean, like, yeah. I didn't know what TikTok was five years. They're like, who knew a TikTok five years ago? You know, yeah. so it's as technology develops and goes, you know, more and more in depth and, and crazy, the lodge is trying to keep up. And so we'll see. Fascinating. They're still like worried about Napster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> they're, they're back um, anytime I can slip in a good Napster reference, you know, for right. the millennials out there. That's right. Um, <laughs> LimeWire. Oh, what was the yes. other one? Yeah, yeah. I actually use LimeWire. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. I mean, I, I can neither confirm nor deny whether I did use LimeWire. Yeah, but for legal reasons, I, I did not. I'm willing to admit that LimeWire existed. Oh, yeah, it existed on somebody's <laughs> right. computer. That's right. <laughs> my goodness i have to be like careful of what we say now no um <laughs> oh um, goodness i'm like we shouldn't have admitted the okay. <laughs> oh look at the time oh man ah all shucks the past, <laughs> all the past if you've been on our podcast before this episode you are not allowed to sue us <laughs> me saying that makes it true <laughs> Um, oh, I, feel like just, wanna... I feel like we're just opening the door here. Like that's yeah, right. That, that's and that's the crazy thing about where when you're ever talking about anything legal, anything of that sort. It's you open one door and then you find two more, and then it's just a pyramid thing of it's almost like a pyramid scheme of 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 potential issues. Yeah. Um, which is exciting. It can be and fun. And one reason why. Maybe people don't like talking to lawyers because like, I just had one question. <laughs> just answer my question. <laughs> it's like, I know, but your question leads to this, to this, to this, to this. And so, yeah. Do you feel like it's a pretty analytical profession then? Like, do you feel like you yourself are analytically minded and that's what drew you to it or? That's a really good question. I, I think so. I mean, I, I definitely think I mean, there are people that are much more analytical than I am and they will look at things and the way that their mind will just analyze a particular issue just is inspiring really. Mm -hmm. But um, I do like, you know, looking, interrogating an issue um, and finding all the different ways of, to, to look at something. I attribute that really uh, when I was in the film program at BYU to Dean Duncan, um, I, I think of his classes daily, uh, just things that he taught uh, and yeah, just the way that he looked at the world uh, really, really inspired me. And I think that was one thing that kind of uh, kicked me in the behind to be like, oh yeah, I know law school would be awesome. Like, can you think of a specific example from one of his classes? Oh, oh, Lauren, um, how many examples do you want? Just uh, one. Just one. Oh, okay. I was like, all right, so I sat through those classes. I, don't need, uh, I take it for the for our audience. That's right. And I take it you do not have the same uh, inspiring. I mean, I will say I don't know what class you're referring to, but like his documentary class, I definitely yeah. like, and 
one of his other classes I can't remember I definitely have a notebook full of stuff from that class and it was like when I was 21 and making some important life decisions and it yeah it was it was good yeah I think this is a broad example but I took a class uh great films Mm. that was the name of the class and we interrogated and analyzed and just deconstructed what great means all the different criteria and of ways to say well what is what makes something great is it great because objectively it is great well who decides objectively what that means so is it more subjective is it great because it's the genre in its genre it's great is it great because it has some transcendent quality that brings us above ourselves is it great because um it it was technically done very well uh so again that's again a very broad example but one that i one that translates really well to the law where you look at an issue and it's you have to look at it and there's not there's not one answer and the answers really aren't important i mean yeah they are but it's how you get to the answer that's the important part I feel, like that that really, I feel like I would have really liked that class. Yeah. Where was that? Where was that? I know. I know. Where were you, Grace? Actually, I'm pretty sure I had him as a professor at one point because I did, um, like, I did a lot of the intro to film intro classes. Intro to film, yeah. 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 yeah, I think that's what it was. So I'm like, I recognize it, but I it was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> did you, yes. like, did you kind of go in? into your college degree with the idea that that's what you wanted to do or did you kind of stumble upon it through like your class with him and things that's also a good question i um so i've always loved film and it wasn't until i met jacob schwarz uh he said hey you should do film and i said okay i was a very impressionable (laughs) person a very impressionable (laughs) 21 year old um but I, but I didn't, I did it not wanting to be a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I am a, a terrible filmmaker, <laughs> uh, which became very evident in the film program. Uh, but I loved producing. I loved all of the, the pre-production and there's the business side of making films I loved. Uh, and growing up, there was a few lawyers that I knew that I would talk to them and said, hey, you should, they always encouraged me to go to law school. But it wasn't until I was really in the film program where I was studying more about the structures of Hollywood and realizing, oh, entertainment lawyer, what's that? I want to do that. You mean there's a lawyer? Just, yeah, I like that. So uh, that's kind of how it came about. So I went to law school with the intent of of becoming an entertainment lawyer, which was awesome when I found out I had to take evidence and criminal procedure and constitutional law and <laughs> you know, trust in estates, all these just riveting classes. Actually, I loved all those classes, but um, <laughs> especially con- constitutional law. It's really interesting, fascinating. But um, no, that that was my plan, was to, to work with people in the entertainment industry. Awesome. Yeah. Has it been what you thought it would be or different? That, yes and yes, no. Do we ever know? 
Yeah. <laughs> like we have our preconceived notions and some things are pretty spot on, but as the more you get into your field, the, the more depth you realize is there, you know, there's, oh, wow. It's much more than I could possibly have imagined. Um, but there's no way that I could have imagined that at the time when I started. So it's, it's been pleasantly surprising. One thing lawyers aren't really known for is their empathy, but would you consider yourself an empathetic person? That is an excellent question. And I can't speak for other lawyers, um, but I, I know of the stereotypes. Here's the deal. Lawyers, attorneys, anyone in the legal industry, they're dealing with people and you have to have some sort of connection with that person. One of the, maybe the stigmas about lawyers, attorneys, et cetera, is that they're either in it for the money, they're in it to satisfy their own ego, whatever. We all have heard the jokes. Um, and I think, unfortunately, that does happen, but you've never really spent time with a public defender or you've never spent time with a, a defense attorney or even plaintiff's attorneys um, or other transactional attorneys. We care about people. We want to, um, we are zealously representing and, and working for them. What is hard is that it's hard to judge, like, so you said, lawyers aren't known for their, for being empathetic. Uh, I think we can just put that with any profession. Uh, um, plumbers aren't known to be empathetic. <laughs> Politicians true. aren't known to be empathetic. Um, but we're all, I would say for most of us, maybe this is my outlook on life is that I, I'm a very positive person, but I feel like we're all trying our best. We're all trying to do mm -hmm. what is best for all of us. Um, one thing that I have always stressed for myself and for people that I work with is that I always try to imagine that if I wasn't here, they're still going to have their problem, right? Or they're still going to have an issue. They're still going to have something that needs fixing. So, and they're, I'm here to help that, to alleviate that. So it, what they have is incredibly valid. I always, I always try to at least, I was going to use the word, empathize with where they're coming from. There's going to be some truth to a stereotype, but uh, I think the empathetic approach to life is to take a step back and be like, ha ha ha, that's cool. But there's a person on the other side. There's, there's an actual human being mm -hmm. with foibles and experience and um, love and, and trials, tribulations, all of that. So how can I meet that? Mm -hmm. so. Can you... Um explain a little bit your definition of what it means to be empathetic. Um, like what, what is that? What is that? Yeah, that uh, I don't, I don't know if I have a definition. I know I listen to a lot of Sam Harris. He's a, he's a, a neuroscientist. 
Um, he has a mindfulness app, which my wife and I use every day, which is awesome, called Waking Up. Um, um, but he has, he talks about empathy from a very clinical standpoint uh, from, as a neuroscientist. And he looks at it as, and I know I'm going to get this wrong, so I apologize, apologize to Sam Harris, but I'll do my best to paraphrase. But there's a emotional aspect and an intellectual aspect. So the intellectual aspect of empathy is, is recognizing that there's another human being across from you that maybe that is going through whatever, um, things good, things bad, things tragic, things joyful, um, but recognizing that there's, there's a, that other person. Um, the emotional aspect of empathy is, is something that leads you to action leads you to compassion, leads you to um, wanting to alleviate suffering if there's suffering or to, to partake in the joy if there's, if there's joy. Um, I think as a practical matter, empathy to me is just recognizing that I'm not the only person in the universe. <laughs> and there are so many people with experiences and expertise and idiosyncrasies and um, mistakes that that I'm there with them, you know? So I, I always approach, and I feel like I've always approached life under recognizing that in, in other people. And I attribute that to my mom, to how, how she was. She was a very empathetic person. Um, and I learned a lot of just how she, how she interacted with people was very inspiring. I think she had instilled in, in myself and my, my other siblings. Shout out to great moms. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Love to hear that. Um, I loved your, sorry, I'm going to interrupt real quick. Go for it. Speaking, speaking of empathy and listening, I'll interrupt you. Um, I, I really liked that definition that you shared, or at least explaining it, because I feel like when in my experiences with people there, I feel like there's a difference between like sympathy and truly like connecting with each other. Cause you can like look at something and be like, wow, that's really sad. I feel sorry for that. It's another thing to connect with them, to try to relate with them, to, you know? And I loved how you said, like, take action. Like there's, there's, yeah. there's, it's more than just looking at that and saying, wow, that must be awful, you know, but really connecting there's like a human connection that occurs there yeah um, i think that and that's something that is always the conundrum with empathy is you can have that connection with with an issue with a problem with a person with with anything um you have the empathy towards them and then that compels you to action compels mm -hmm. you to compassion whatever <laughs> but like there's only 24 hours in a day there's only so many resources that we have. There's only so much bandwidth that our, our lives can take. So where am I not an empathetic, empathetic person if I'm not helping someone in need? Am I not a compassionate person if I'm not doing something um, to alleviate suffering in others? And, and that's something that I think people can beat themselves up too harshly for uh, because listen, there's 7 billion people on this world, on this earth. That is a lot of compassion and a lot of empathy. And I don't know if anybody has the capacity to, to, 
to have that amount of compassion for that many people. I mean, we try, um, but like there's only so many resources that we have. So I think one, one issue or one example that really strikes just at the heart for me is um, there's the book, it's with the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. The name of it's escaping me. I'm gonna remember it. Anyways, there's a conversation that the that the Dalai Lama, I almost had it, that the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu had. Um, and it's just so inspiring. And the Dalai Lama talked about a, a story of one of the Tibetan monks who was captured, who was a, a prisoner of, of, of the Chinese essentially. And he talked about how the, the, this particular Tibetan monk said that he felt like he was losing his way when he started thinking that he didn't have the compassion and empathy towards his Chinese captors. Like, yeah. man, to have that level of, of patience and love, charity, kindness, empathy, compassion towards someone who objectively may not have deserved it, but you still have that empathy and compassion anyway. That's just, when I, when my wife read the book and told me about the story, it was just, it hit me. Like, how can it not? So um, I think the takeaway from, a takeaway from that is you look at your sphere of influence and how can, how can I increase my awareness and recognition of others in my sphere of influence and start there. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, do you think there's such a thing as like too much empathy? Maybe. I don't know. I think if, like, what would that look like? People being so drawn to compassion or so aware of situations that they don't do anything, that might not be good. Or, or, they're so compelled to compassion that all they do is try to help others. But again, you always have to find that balance. Like we exist too, you know? Yeah. Um, we, our job isn't to empathize with the entire world and forget about ourselves. I mean, there has to be some sort of, I don't want to say selfishness, but you know, self-care, self-recognition, empathy towards yourself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't forget that. <laughs> but is there such thing as too much empathy? I, I don't know. I don't well, know. it's kind of what's so great about empathy as it's defined is just human connection. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I asked that question, but I kind of don't think if you're, if it's true empathy, I don't think you could have too much. It's when you start self-sacrificing or some of these other words, but it's like, yeah. that's not true empathy because because it's not yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. trying to be deep here. And it's I know it's, 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 and it's something that, again, there are plenty of professionals and experts in this realm in neuroscience, in, in, in social work, in um, so many different disciplines that can, can really get into the nitty gritty. Um, I'm just drawing on my own experience and, 
uh, layman definitions of uh, uh, of this, but I feel I feel like it's been a, a principle that has guided me or yeah, helped me throughout my life. One of the yeah. reasons um, we started this podcast was because one, we wanted to like document people's stories, but Lauren and I kind of felt this like need for more human connection through listening to each other's stories, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's been amazing the last, you know, several months as we've been doing this, the more you listen to different people and what they have to share and their experiences, I feel like my ability to um, empathize with them and their situation has expanded so much. Yeah. Um, and I've even watched like I myself over the last couple of years, and I feel like I have noticed this trend that I see in other people or whatever, even in myself that I'm like, we don't listen. And this is, I'm just going to say we, the big, you know, mm -hmm. we yeah. don't Proverbial listen. We. Yes. We don't listen to understand one another. We yeah. listen to make a point or we listen to make, because we, I feel like the world, people just want to be heard. They want to be validated. They want to feel like they matter. Yeah. And everybody's trying to have their voice be heard and nobody's listening. And I shouldn't say nobody, but like, I feel like there's so much good that can come from listening to understand one another rather than listening to prove your intelligence or make a point or show that you are a good conversationalist or whatever it is. Right. But like, yeah. so I've noticed the last couple of years, I've kind of stepped back and have kind of tried to especially for like you know close relationships with people whether it's my spouse or family or whatever to really listen to understand what they're saying and as I've done that like I just feel like my world has shifted I feel like I see the world in an entirely different place than I did a couple years ago um situation wh why do you think that is I think it's because I, I what a great question. I'm like, ooh, now I'm the tables have turned. Ooh, ooh. He's good. He's good. Um I I think it's because I've allowed myself to one not be threatened by what they had to say. Honestly, like to to truly realize that like the things that they're providing can only make me better whether it's because it allows me to see it differently or, you know, I, I don't know, but, um, and two, because I, there is a connection there, right? Like yeah. it's, it's like people that I may have not even like cared or thought about, but it's like, like I'll use our first podcast example. And I, and like, we talked to, a, um, Emma, who has been in a wheelchair her whole life. I've never thought about that. Right. right? And she shared about her experiences and I'm sitting here thinking, wow, like I wouldn't even have thought to ask what has been your experience or what have you learned? But now I go everywhere I go, I think about, I'm like, this isn't very accessible. Like, you yeah. know, or, you know, like, and it just, it just gets me thinking and it makes me open to ideas or whatever. Anyway, but I feel like I'm a better person. Here I am like on the therapy chair. I'm like, <laughs> but basically what I'm just saying is I think there's a connection between empathy and listening. I don't I, think you 
I, I, yeah, I, I think they go hand in hand. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I, I, compl- I completely agree. And you hit on a lot of really interesting points that I've thought about, I mean, at least for the last 20 years, um, like really started to think about. Um, one thing that really stood out to me that you said is that uh, as you listen, your world becomes bigger, mm-hmm. right? As you engage with people without... <laughs> without the pretext of I'm listening so that I can now prove my point. Mm-hmm. It's I'm not going through life of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Say your thing. Say, Cause I have my thing and I'm going to tell you my thing because my thing is my thing. Right. It's that, which we're very egocentric species and that's fine, you know, but at one, the moment we let go of ourselves and recognize that life encapsulates so much more there's so much more experience on that spectrum of life is just ever expanding the more our paradigm begins to shift like you said with emma in the wheelchair it's yeah there's probably lots of things that you there's lots of things i probably haven't even thought of if 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 i lived my life in a wheelchair um like how yeah, like now I'm trying to think like, oh my goodness, there's so much. Um, but I think when we listen, so this is going back to listening and, and, and empathy. As we listen, and so this is something that I do a lot, especially with, with work, um, I just, I take a, like, I step back. I'm in the backseat. I let them, they're driving, they're driving the conversation, and I am just listening. Because a lot of times what they say at first isn't really the important thing. What they first begin to talk about, where even if you're in a conversation with someone, with your family, with whoever, with a friend, the first thing in the conversation, and if it's of any relative importance, the first part of the conversation really doesn't, it's not that it doesn't matter. It's just, it's kind of like the filler to either A, get to the subtext of what they're actually trying to say that you can now explore that, or it can now branch off to the thing that's this other unrelated thing that is this bothering him or her. Um, and so I think how we approach that is, is one, listen not just to what they're saying, but what they're I'm not going to say what they're not saying because hello, check off. No, that's, um, uh, it's, it's listening to so much. There's so much in a conversation besides the words that are said, facial expression, mannerism, um, body language, tone, you know, these little subtle cues that you can pick up on. If you kind of take a step back and observe and listen um, there was there was a test, I think a personality test that I took. I think I'm gonna say I was in high school when I took it, and I know that's wrong, but I'm gonna say it anyway. So it was in high school when I took this <laughs> test. Um, of and it had the question: when you're talking with someone, do you a listen to what they're saying so that you can so that they can finish, so you can say your point? or B, uh, listen and then 
trail off and not following the conversation? Like, those are the only two answers. And I was like, that's it? Well, first, first of all, A really hit me because it's, do you listen so that they can finish their thoughts so you can think of your own thought to say your thought? And then in my mind, I'm like, that's not listening. That's just being in a space so that someone can say something so that you can say something. That's not, you're not, you're not doing anything. <laughs> it's not pr productive at all. Um, and I, th that really, and I don't even know why it hit me so hard, but it was just, oh, when we listen, it's not just to, to hear, or sorry, I should say, our listening is not just to get through the conversation or to prove that I'm right, you're wrong, or to try to win you to my side of the argument or to make it so that we can find this common ground that everyone is happy with. Listening is, I mean, it can be that, but listening, I would say at its most pure is stepping back and letting it happen. Because as you do, you realize that your preconceived notions, your biases, they will either begin to fade or you have that realization of, oh, I now have something to think about beyond this conversation. I now have something that they said that really impacts me in a way that I haven't thought before. Um, and this is something that, and I know I'm probably going on rambling here, uh, but this is in, I have this tug of war in my brain all the time. Um, and something that was, has kind of been a weakness of mine in certain situations. I will listen and not do anything. Not like I won't, it's not that I won't engage. I'll just, I listen too much without actually saying something. And sometimes that can be a problem um, because the other person, we, we need, we have social cues and the other person may need to hear something, may need to hear what you're thinking, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> yes. Um, and so that's something that I've had to work on is, yes, it's all fine and good. We can listen. We can evaluate a situation, get all the facts, whatever. That's, sometimes the rubber has to hit the road and you have to tell the other person what you're thinking and what, you, what you're thinking about. I don't know. Yeah. That was a good opportunity for us to practice our listening skills. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I agree. I've definitely had conversations with people where I'm like, you know, well, nobody could see what I just did. So you're like, are you going to respond to me? Yeah. Especially yeah. if you're on the phone. It's like, are you there? Sometimes, right. I, Hello. sometimes people fall asleep while they're talking to me. So I'm yep. like sensitive to that. Um, Does that happen often? Yeah. Cause I talk a lot. <laughs> um, that's, that is one thing I will admit on this podcast. I'm always like, okay, we, we specifically wanted each episode to be about someone and not about, cause we could have done a podcast where just the two of us talk for hours and hours. And we right. debated that at one point, <laughs> but we're like, no. And so every time I make a conscious effort, maybe it's obvious, maybe it's not to be like, I am going to let them talk. <laughs> 
and I'm not gonna this whole thing isn't gonna be me going on and on but I will interject enough to be affirming and so that's well again this is your podcast I am thank you so much for inviting me by the way um that's but again I mean this is it's your podcast so I am yeah. subordinate to you, if that makes sense. <laughs> I, like, I didn't need validation, but I do appreciate, <laughs> I do appreciate that. Um, yeah, the, the, well, that's a good point, right? There's different contexts for things. Right. Like someone, well, if someone is coming to you, for example, for legal advice and you don't say anything, then you'd be that's like- That's a problem. <laughs> yeah. be, I feel like way with my therapist sometimes, like, I'm not here to talk, I'm here for answers. <laughs> <laughs> like you tell me how to fix this brain of mine <laughs> right um, some of, but also you have to talk a certain amount you know right some of my favorite like uh communicators or like people that I really enjoy conversing with yeah um when well they make me feel heard right like they, they I can tell that they're listening and they provide some sort of like response and stuff kind of like we've been talking about um but I, I've always I always appreciate when uh, people are able to not necessarily say back what I'm saying to check mm. for understanding. I think that's important, but sometimes it gets annoying when, so what you're saying, I'm like, no, like just stop. <laughs> but like when I, I'll, I'll use this, my sister, she's really good at this. She's like, what I'm hearing you say is right. Oh, so yeah. it's not necessarily like the words that I'm saying and repeating back to me, like, yeah, well, you said that you had to go do this and this and this I'm listening. Like, it's like, oh, okay. So what you're trying to communicate is this, right? Cause I right. can be very long winded and I can, you know, like, but it's just a simple, like, oh, so what I'm saying is you're feeling lonely or what, right. you know, what I'm, what I'm hearing you say is you're, you're afraid or whatever. And you're like, yeah, that's it. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, and, and even something just as simple as like, oh, what I'm hearing is this, is that, is that right? is so validating and it's it really so is. like it's just like yeah i am feeling like that and they don't need to fix it they don't need to make it better like because mm-hmm. most of the time they can't right, right. like right. but it's just a simple that connection that there's a moment of empathy there of wow that i can see why you're feeling this way now we're like going into like therapy mode here but like you know what i mean like but some of my favorite communicators are those people that can do that and i don't think that comes very naturally to people do you have any like thoughts of like how to improve those skills hmm wow i i feel like you're really good at it like i feel like (laughs) thank you thank you like like it feels like it i don't know if it comes natural to you but i feel like you're really good at that but i what any advice? I, that's very that's very kind of you to say. I I don't know if I have any great insights on how to develop that kind of almost haptic feedback in in your conversations with other people. Um, uh, as you listen, understand that your job a lot of times isn't to fix it because you can't, like you said, uh, it isn't to to lead them to an answer, lead them to whatever it is. A lot of times when we talk to people, people just want to say something. They just, they have, we all, every one of us, we have thoughts, we have doubts, we have complexities, we have aspirations, we have all of these crazy emotions and thoughts and ideas that are just at, almost seems like they're at war with each other as we get through our day. 
And a lot of times we just need to ah, say it to somebody, usually to a loved one, a friend, a confidant, whoever. The listener often just needs to just be the audience and say, yes, give it to me. Tell me all your thoughts. And maybe that's the mindset that you have to have to go into that, to develop that kind of, of empathetic listening and empathetic connection with somebody is, um, and, and maybe it, we need to develop our communication with each other saying, hey, do you just need me to, do you just need to vent? Do you need me to listen? Because I'm happy to do that. And if you're upfront and honest with those feelings and those expectations, so you as a listener to say, hey, I'm, I'm willing and ready to do that. And as the speaker to say, hey, I just need to vent. Your expectations, you're being honest with those and open about those to each other. And now, man, now a great conversation can happen or a great empathetic listening session can happen. Um, we don't, we feel like we have the answers for everybody. And, I, and I, I'm very self-aware when I say this, that I, I don't know if what I'm saying is going to help you, the listener, the proverbial you. I have no idea. Um, I can tell you from my own personal experience, it's helped me. And maybe that mindset, the, so the answer to your question, Grace, is that uh, more open communication with the person you're talking to, uh, and that includes clear expectations of I need to say something and I need someone to listen. I don't need someone to fix it. I need someone to listen. Uh, and if you could please validate those, uh, what I just said <laughs> at the end, that'd be great. Yeah. But if you can't, I understand. And if you're learning, I understand too. Um, I, think, I think we expect too much from each other. Um, I think we have we can have too too many unrealistic expectations. If you haven't already, you will quickly find someone that stands diametrically opposed to your religious or political beliefs. And if you haven't found that yet in your life, I applaud you. Well, and I want to know how you do it <laughs> um, because that sounds almost too good to be true. But I would say realistically, and more often than not, you will meet someone who just just rubs you not just rubs you the wrong way but just drives you nuts uh because of what they think what they believe whatever so how do you talk to them how do you have, how do you show empathy to them how do you show compassion and and have a positive empathetic listening experience with them i don't know uh, tell me i'm listening I, yeah. I, okay <laughs> i'm all ears i'm okay i i don't know if I know, but I can tell you, I, okay. My mom is very much a Democrat. My dad was a very much a Republican. That's how it was growing up. My parents never talked about politics growing up at all. The first time I had a conversation about politics, I think I was in like my junior or senior year of high school, I was at a friend's house and they were talking about something political and my mind was blown. I was like, you talk about the how, what, why, how do you, how? 
So my upbringing was you just, there are things you, that was one thing we never talked about. As a, so we never talked about it in, at home, but I absolutely had friends that did talk about it. And so I felt like, I felt stunted in my, my political views because I, I didn't know. So for the longest time, I just felt like a sponge. I was like, oh, you're listening to so-and-so? Cool. I think, yeah, that sounds cool. And then I'd listen to someone that was so diametrically opposed to that point of view. It's like, oh, that sounds cool too. And so I felt like this tug of war in this political spectrum of, oh yeah, I'm, I'm totally this. Oh no, I'm not that. I'm this. Definitely I'm this over here. Um, fast forward to now, I've had much more experience with all, all sorts of political affiliations. And this is, and, and religious affiliations as well. And this is what I, I feel like I do when I enter that kind of a conversation. And it might sound like a broken record, but I take a backseat and I let them, because if someone's going to talk to you about politics, obviously they've been thinking about it. And obviously they've been talking to someone that's tipped them off or just set them going. And it's been on their mind. And if they are entering that conversation, like guns blazing and like, I have something to tell you right now, then I will approach that in the same, very similar way. Tell me, tell me, I'm not here to change your mind. Obviously I won't be able to. And that's, and, and, and again, that mindset of I'm going to change your mind. I don't, I would say most of the time I try not to have that be the, my mindset. And honestly, it's hard. It is hard. But it is hard. <laughs> it, it is, is hard. hard. Cuz we want people to to think the way that we do because yeah. we feel like we know the answers to things and yeah. we feel like no, we've got our stuff going on. Like we're intelligent people. We think we know how we see the world. But uh you're going to meet someone who also feels with, with as much surety, if not more than you do, about how the world needs to be run. So you approach it in a very similar way. You say, tell me, just tell me, I will listen. Because the point of the conversation isn't to get in a fight or to get in a, um, a clash of ideologies. There's a forum for that, or, and again, it goes back to this, be open with your expectations. Are you looking to engage? Do you, do you, would you like to hear a rebuttal? Would you like to hear a different point? And if they say, and I don't know all the permutations of this conversation. I mean, you've probably experienced a lot of these, um, but express your, okay. Listen to their opinion. So to recap, listen to their opinion, listen to it empathetically. I want to know, I, I genuinely want to know how you feel about something. My value judgment on their ideology at this moment is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. I want to know how you think. So please tell me how you think. Now, if we're gonna continue this conversation and we're going to now spar ideologically, um, at that point, be open to say, have you thought about this? 
or I'm going to talk about, I'm, do you mind if you hear about my side? And I understand I'm saying this, and it's like this utopian conversation <laughs> with religion or politics, whatever it is. I, again, I'm very self-aware that I'm talking about the ideal and that rarely happens. Um, but I think we could strive for it. I think we can. Yeah. Well, I like that these seem to be like tangible tips, you know, whether it works well or not, it like sets, at least sets the conversation up to potentially succeed. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Or if not, then it helps you develop your sense of empathy to be like, oh, this is a person that I, I do not, I vehemently disagree with, but they're still a person. Like they are still a person. And um, though I disagree, again, though I disagree with our conclusion, um, what am I gonna do? Hate the person? I'm sorry, like, no. I like that. I like the idea of focusing on listening because for me, a lot of times I try and access empathy by connecting myself to it. So for example, I connect to Middle Eastern refugees because my ancestors are Middle Eastern, or I yeah. know I've heard people say awful things about women. And so I know maybe what that feels like when people are judged by something they can't control, right. but, and this isn't a trap, but you are like, over six foot white fit man cishet all those things so yeah. I feel like it's helpful to hear how you've kind of approached it because we're not always going to have that in right like oh yeah I've because sometimes we say empathy is like oh when you feel something too but sometimes mm -hmm. it's not something you felt at all and you still have to access that empathy Oh, what do you, what do you mean? Just so, so that I, I understand yeah. when you say something that you feel. Well, I feel so, like people will be like, oh, empathy means that you feel exactly what they feel. You know, like sometimes oh, people define it that way. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if I agree with that, that, or maybe that's something that I pattern my sense of empathy in. I mean, not to negate that definition, but I feel like I think of it more of as, as the recognition. I don't know if you have to have that visceral feeling that's what someone else is feeling. I don't know. I don't know. I, I know for a fact. Um, so when I, just for example, when I went to law school, I was in San Diego and it was right. Um, so 2010 to 2013. And um, this was, I think I graduate, graduated when the Obergefell case came down from the Supreme Court, which, um, which made uh, same-sex marriage legal in all 50 states. And there were a few situations and experiences that I had in law school, um, especially with the LGBTQIA plus um, people, folks, lovely human beings, that really, maybe, maybe, and maybe, maybe this is the answer to that question, that really, hit me so deep that I was like, oh my goodness, like I, I need to do so, so much better um, 
and I need to change now. It was one of those like wake up moments. Um, and I, so maybe, maybe it is that, that you have to have that feeling. So maybe I've been arguing with myself, but, um, <laughs> which happens all the time, which is fine to do, by the way, don't, don't. <laughs> that means you're winning. That's right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> So. Yeah, I guess what I was trying to say is that you can't expect to have the same exact experience as somebody and no. need to okay. access empathy another way. Okay, yes, I, I like that. Yeah, you, you are not going to have the same experience because I am not a woman. I am a white man. Like, through history, I have benefited from that. And I am acutely aware of that. Um, but it doesn't mean that I have to, or it, it would be disingenuous of me to say, no, I know how, how women feel. Cause I don't, I don't, I, I do not, but I can develop empathy of the types of, I don't even know what it is of the types of feelings, the types of, of what has been happening. And so part of it is, so I think a, a very important part of empathy is education. So to educate yourself of all that's been happening in the world. Again, we do not live in a bubble. We do not live singularly. We are part of a great collective and that has been around for a while. So buckle up and learn your history because the more you learn, and again, going back to what you said, Grace, the more you learn about the world, yeah. the more stories that you hear about other people, the more your, your world expands and yeah. your, your ability to empathize with others increases. Absolutely. That's been, I mean, that's been my experience the last yeah. couple of years. And it's, I have to say, I think it's been the best thing for me. Like I yeah. feel like I'm not like, I'm not perfect by any means, but I look at who I was five years ago or whatever. And I'm like, I like who I'm becoming. That's awesome. And I, and I think I can owe that to intentional effort to try to listen. Yeah. So, but like, no, I am definitely not by any means, like, please don't misunderstand that. But I, I, Grace I want to be figured out. I got to figure it out. And <laughs> that's all you need to know. No, but yeah. like, I, I, I notice it. I notice it in myself. Cool. I notice it in other people. And I just, it's changed my life and I want to continue to improve it. Cool. Like, I don't know. So this is, that's, this is, this. I was going to say, that's, that's the point of life. Life is a journey. Yeah, exactly. Life, life is, is we're not, if we have expectations that we're going to be perfect by X, whatever age you are, or like your set goal, sorry, it's not going to happen. Um, you will continually learn. You will continually grow. You will continually, your mind and your abilities will continually expand if you want them to, if you allow them to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's people that don't want to because it's scary. It is. It's, oh, it's, it's terrifying. It, it's it really, terrifying. It, it really it is. is. It yeah. will knock you off your feet. It will make yep. you question everything. And it'll because it's nice understand. to be comfortable. It's yep. nice to feel comfortable. Yeah. It's nice to be in your, your safety net of mm -hmm. familiarity. Absolutely. But it's a big world out there. Yeah. yeah. And you're a part of it. We're all that's a part right. of it. That's right. Like, and everyone's experience is different. Like it kind of goes back to the purpose of this podcast is like, you know, we all are, we all have somewhat similar experiences throughout this life, but we can all have a very different 
experience. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, that's right. I, I, I don't know. I just, but as we can connect with one another and listen to understand and empathize with each other, we all win. Like, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's the point. Yeah. I think, I think it's easy to think like, oh, you know, well, we talk about this a little bit uh, before on, we have talked about this a little bit before on the podcast, but it's like, we're all the same, but we're also different. And yeah. so it's like, I can be like, oh, I can relate to someone who's divorced or someone who is this or that, but it's like the conditions and the timing and whatever else of their divorce is probably nothing like mine. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's like you, you find those similarities, but you can't ever assume to truly know right. exactly what somebody's going through. And I think sometimes we want to, we want to like connect so badly that we're like, I know exactly what you're going through. Um, but that you, I don't know, it just comes back to me. To, to me, that translates to, I know exactly what I'm going through. <laughs> right. Yes. But I mean, we, we say it in a way where we're trying to be empathetic. It's like, oh, I know exactly what you're going through. I know exactly what I'm going through. And I'm going to tell you about it kind of thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Um, which is a very normal, that has, typical way to respond. Because again, we do, we, our biology is such that we, we want to strive to belong. We want to connect with other individuals, with other human beings. That's biologically innate in us. Um, so we want to have those similarities. Um, but the thing that, that maybe not, may not be as self-evident is that you can connect, you can connect with those, have those connect connections with other people and you don't have to go through the exact same thing. You can connect by listening. You can connect by saying, here, tell me your story, give me your story. And now I'm part of your story. I don't, and without that reciprocity or that, that expectation of reciprocity. Um, if you want to hear my story, you can ask and I'll be glad to tell it. But right now it sounds like you just need to tell me something. And I, instead of bringing my biases to the table, I need to let you just give me you. That was really lovely. I'm like, oh. amen, preach. I'm over Thank here like, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> preach. Yeah, so try that. See if it works. And if it doesn't work, I'm sorry. Then I gave that advice. But I think, I think it does. I think it does work. I think it can work. Yeah, give the is. disclaimer again that this is not official advice from you. This is again, yeah, this is not official advice. I am this is just my personal experience. You're not responsible for any That's legal right. ramifications. That's uh, right. Should someone implement this advice? That's right. Laws and grace will not be held again. That's right. <laughs> should your listening experience turn off? Yeah. See the terms and conditions of the podcast and the privacy policy. Yeah, we're gonna at have the to bottom have of the page. A, oh shoot. Have a big disclaimer. <laughs> do not i have i've made some tiktoks where i'm like here's my advice but also don't follow any advice that i tell you (laughs) i'm not responsible that's right um well i think what you just said summed everything up very beautifully um but is there anything else that you want our audience to know um i want all 
of your listeners, all of us to know um, is that don't be too hard on yourselves. Like that's something that I wish more people knew about. Just don't be too hard on yourself. Um, tomorrow's another day. There's always gonna be a, a tomorrow. Um, and just try to keep a, just keep your head up and, and you'll be fine. I think we should make that part a little audio clip that just repeats. <laughs> Because I'm gonna need to hear that every morning. <laughs> I'll have it as my like alarm clock or That's something. Right. Like, oh yeah. man, yeah, it's like no. It's a beautiful day. It's like it's a brand new day. Don't That's be right. too hard on yourself. That's right. Uh, that is. I'm like, I feel like you could be a therapist on top of your lawyering because. Oh man, that's that's really kind of you to say. Um, if that's the case, uh, do mindfulness just do mindfulness, find a mindfulness app. There's so many, so many great ones um, that has helped me and my mindset, my, me and my wife, we've done it basically every day for past few years. And we've just seen a huge improvement just in our mental health in the way that we just, the way that we see life, you know, I really appreciate you sharing all these things, especially because it's so in line with what we're trying to do with the podcast. Oh, good. Um, and it's a good, I feel like it's a good reminder to me um, how no matter, you know, it's like we can always listen to each other better and it's just starting, you know, starting yeah. to try and implement these things with the people that we care about the most. And I think that will do wonders. I agree. Thanks everyone for joining us on this episode of Laws and Grace. Come back next week. For